1: Hello friends, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe joining you on Sunday afternoon following what might be the best win of this Dallas Mavericks season, a come from behind victory in Boston. The Mavericks won 95 to 92. Josh, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good. I think both of us are running on fumes a little bit for for various personal reasons, but we're both here because we are dedicated podsmen.
1: Uh, I don't know if that's accurate terminology. We but are dedicated podsmen. With... <laughs> you know what? This game deserves yes. some dedication. And I, you know, I covered, I watched the first three quarters through Gamecast, which this was a painful, painful <laughs> game, particularly the first half when when I was reading the Luca went down. And then I watched the fourth quarter live. That was great. But why don't you kind of walk us through what happened this game?
2: I mean, it was a rock fight from the beginning. Uh, I think you know Boston and the Mavs, as they said repeatedly on the ABC broadcast, that these are the two best defensive teams in the league since uh, January 1st. So it definitely felt like that for large stretches of this game. Um, It was slow, a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots. uh, And the Mavericks were kind of hanging in there. I mean, I think the story of this game is the Mavericks playing maybe one of their worst Offensive halves this season, they scored 38 points. And really, <laughs> it, I was surprised that they scored 38. Just just watch. If you didn't have a scoreboard at the bottom, you would have you would have guessed lower than 38, I think. Uh, it could just look that bad at times. And Boston's defense is that good. Um, and I think the thing – I mean, I know the second – we're going to talk a lot about the second half and the second half heroics and the plays and all that. But the fact that the Mavericks never really – let this game get away from them. I think is a testament to how much different this team is compared to the previous two seasons. Um, this is a game any of those Mavericks teams from the last two seasons would have been down by twenty five at halftime, or you know twenty or eighteen or something like that. And you know Spencer Dinwiddie makes a three at the buzzer, and they're only down nine despite scoring thirty eight points in the first half. And I don't think Boston ever had more than a twelve or thirteen point lead, and because of that you give yourself a chance like if, if things turn around if if shots start going in if you make the necessary adjustments like you know a 13 point lead or 12 point lead 10 point lead in the nba is with the way the game is now and and, and how important the three-point shot is that's nothing man um so the fact that the maverick like that was the story to me i the, i just could not believe that they were able to keep the game as close as they were despite how poorly they were playing on offense for. The first twenty-four minutes, and then the second half, which you know, I know you got to catch most of the fourth quarter. They just the role players did the thing, right? The thing that we 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 scream about the last two playoff series, you know, the thing they haven't done the past two. (laughs) Yeah, and Dinwiddie and Finney Smith, they did it, uh, and and the Mavericks won.
1: Wow. Wow. And let me give you this stat because I think this is worthy of, of our man, Panda Hank, 41. In the second half, Dorian Finney Smith, 18 points on seven of nine shooting, including four of five from three. Jason Tatum, four points on two of 10 shooting, including zero of four from three. Um, kind of an out of context tweet. Uh I, I would love to discuss specifically, and in, in our guy is talk Franco tweeted this out. If you want to look at the differences between Luca and and uh Tatum as you know star caliber players, look at what happens to Tatum when he gets doubled versus look look at what happens to Luca. Um, it's just as stark a contrast as there can be, despite Tatum being an unbelievable scorer. Um, I the you know, the the thing that that keeps coming out in this um season is the resiliency of these players uh you know we'll get to some weirder things that were happening in this game particularly our man maxi kleba's stat line which is one of the weirder <laughs> weirder stat Hulk lines. That line. just like i don't even like we'll circle back on it but it's it's you know part of why i have a guy I, i'm dming with right now who pops in the green room he's like yeah kirk i'm just telling you these guys are better than you think they are And I'm willing to admit that, like they are, they might be better than they think we are, than I think, because I've seen these guys and I am, you know, still sort of, I'm trying to think of the word sort of scarred from previous examples, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. This is a lot of fun. I mean, watching, I I was scrolling through because the, the, you know, I often fall on a little bit of delay based off of the service that I'm using and the Mavericks got down 88 to 83 with four minutes and 15 seconds left. And then managed to come back and win this game. <laughs> like going down five points with four minutes and winning by eight is tough, and it, just a really incredible, uh, you know, sense of resiliency. But I mean, I'm not sure where, like, kind of what else we should talk about. I want you to lead on this one, even yeah. though I I tend to do it, and I'll I'll, I'll play off you.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean this. I mean it. Dorian Finney-Smith scored 18 points in the second half. Uh, I mean, that's kind of where you have to start, I think. Obviously, Luka was great. Um, But the fact that, you know, the Celtics in the second half are basically doing the thing that I think a lot of NBA teams feel comfortable doing, uh, that's doubling Luka. And it's not that they double Luka because they think they're going to fluster him and force him into a bunch of bad passes and bad decisions. It's that teams just have zero respect for anyone else besides Luka on this roster. And like you said, there's there's precedent for it. You know, the past two playoff series have not shown the role players out into a good light. And this was definitely a playoff type game. Uh, and playoff basketball, as we all know, is is almost a different sport than regular season basketball. So, uh, again, they doubled him not because, you know, Luka can't handle doubles. It's just because it's like, oh, wide open Dorian Finney-Smith or wide open Max We We would honestly rather have that than... Have Luca do whatever he wants to do one on one. It's almost like the, you know, the old baseball, like walking Barry Bonds with the bases loaded uh back of the day. Like it's it's that kind of level of decision making. Uh and to to Finney Smith and, and Dinwiddie and all these guys' credit, I mean, they made him pay. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen Dorian score 18 points and a half before. I mean, I'm sure someone can look that up and he's and he's either done that or or gotten close. But I mean, that was one of the best scoring halves I've ever seen from him ever. Uh, and he, he only missed two shots. He took five mm-hmm. to four to or five. He made all, basically made almost all of his open threes. A lot of them were in the corner. He had a quick trigger too. He shot very, he was very decisive with what he wanted to do with the ball. He either shot it immediately or drove. He had a couple of nice drives uh, on, on really weak closeouts and, and got a couple of dunks out of it. Uh, he was, he was everywhere. And then of course, you know, he's doing double duty and he's guarding Jason Tatum for a lot of the game. Uh, and, and, you know, the Mavericks double Tatum uh, a lot, so he had help, but I mean, he still did his part there. Uh, it was, that was the thing that just jumped out to me. And then of course, you know, Dinwiddie, who didn't have a great first half, second half, he scores 13 points on three or five shooting. He got to the free throw line seven times. Um, those two guys made the most of the space that Luca was getting, uh, off double teams. And that's just something we haven't seen this team consistently do in these close games against great teams. So. To me, the story of this game was this is hopefully reassuring Mavs fans that are still skeptical, and I mean, I think you would include us as being skeptical, but this is the playoff blueprint, right? This is how they have to win games in the playoffs. If they want to win a first-round series, they have to win games just like this, where Luka is not going to get one-on-one coverage for the majority of the game where guys like Finney Smith and Dinwiddie and Powell and Kleba and Brunson are going to have to make plays more than once in, in high leverage situations. And uh, they were able to do it. And it was, it was very, very fun to watch. Uh, it was it was a hell of a game just from a bystander, you know, just entertainment value was off the charts with this game. It was, it was very back and forth. So well, let me I, ask you I, this. I can't let me say ask you. enough about, let me ask you this.
1: So, so the first half, the Mavericks scored 38 points, the third yeah. quarter, the Mavericks scored <laughs> 38 points, what adjustment offensively did the Mavericks make in that quarter or did shots just start falling? And then second kind of follow-up question, based off of you know and this is hard to do in real time but based off of what you were able to see did what defensive adjustments did they make
2: i think defensively the, the big defensive adjustment was Tatum doubling Tatum and i think every time the mavericks did that uh the boston offense just looked a little weird um and it's not necessarily that tatum's like a horrible playmaker or passer like he's he's gotten way better at that Uh, but he's not I mean he's not Luca. I mean let's just be in terms of passing you know it's it's just it's a different skill tier for 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 a guy like Tatum compared to Mm Luca. and it was just like passes were and it wasn't necessarily like turnovers because he only had one turnover but it was like he would make a pass and it would be like a guy would have to kind of reach for it or like jump to jump out of the way or jump to go get it or or kind of run over to get it and that little you know inaccuracy and whether it was tatum doing it or whether it was the second guy that was was trying to make the hockey play would do it like it was just enough to throw off the offense and then allow the mavericks to rotate on the back end that they didn't really give up that many wide open shots because the passes out of the double were not accurate and then maybe the second pass wasn't accurate and when guys are kind of having to gather themselves to get the ball back and be in better position the Mavericks are rotating and they're right there. Uh, And the Celtics had a bunch of possessions that were running the wire at the end of the shot clock and having to throw up some stuff that they, I don't think they wanted to do. Um, And and I felt like anytime the Mavericks played them straight up, uh, they got, they got layups and open threes. Uh, It was just, it was just, it was just crazy to watch the the difference in in efficiency between the Mavericks doubling them and the Mavericks not. Um, And, you know, I think, you know, go ahead.
1: So, One key box score stat stands out to me, and it's Marcus Smart being 4 of 12. And I saw repeatedly him get that. He was basically the screen man who would receive it at the top of the key in what we have often seen Dwight and Maxie do. And the Mavericks gave no shits. They basically said if Marcus Smart is going to beat us, Marcus Smart is going to beat us. And I think that's the gamble that you have to take in a one-game series like that.
2: Yeah, totally, and he I mean, negative eleven. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw. I mean, I'm sure you saw some of those possessions in the fourth where, like, yeah. he was catching it at the foul line, and there was no one around him. And I was thinking, I was like, why isn't he just shooting that? And he would hesitate, and the peasant possess- like, when once you make that hesitation, it was over. Like the possession was dead because um, the Mavericks were able to to recover. So, yeah, I think the Mavericks did good there. And the funny part part is, is uh, on the other side of it, I mean, Maxi was playing that that same role. And he had that that same amount of space, and he also was not looking to shoot either. So it was kind of a battle of, okay, what happens after you make the second pass out of the double team? And Mm -hmm. I think the Mavericks were much better at that and and reacting to that. And a lot of it is the Mavericks have more playmakers, I think.
1: Well, and also flat out more experience of that shit happening to them, because Luke is the most doubled player in the league. Right. And with Dinwiddie and
2: Brunson, I think those guys are maybe a little bit better at handling a double team than maybe someone like Smart and Brown, uh, who are not, you know, Smart's a point guard, but he's not necessarily like your classic point guard, and Brown is is okay at making plays, but he's not, you know, Brunson and Dinwiddie are like honest-to-God point guards, and I think that makes a difference. Um, and I think it's why I felt like the Celtics. I mean, he was a minus six, but I felt like the Celtics were a little bit better with Derek when Derek white was on the floor. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there, but, uh, yeah, for the defensively, that was the biggest adjustment offensively. Uh, I think the Celtics just stayed in the double too long. And I don't think you can double Luke. Like it might work for a half, but it's really hard to double Luca as long as the Celtics did and not getting burned. Cause at a certain point, as, as much as you might not have confidence in these got role players making shots. If I mean, Finney Smith was just getting so, I mean, he shot 11 times and I swear 10, like eight or nine of them were just great wide open looks. And most of Dinwiddie's threes were good looks. Uh, I mean, even Klebo's looks were good. He should have shot it more. Um, you know, Brunson uh, had good. Like you know, they just kept they just kept going to that that well too many times. I think doubling Luca, and I think we've seen enough from this Mavs team that even if you double Luka that much throughout a whole game, he's going to get you eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, At third quarter, he got them. I mean, it's really funny though. You talk about the second half uh, adjustments offensively; they only scored 19 points in the fourth
1: quarter. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of that funny. felt like. I mean that. Ooh, the fourth been quarter, because the game got slow. I mean, it got real slow. I thought Luca really, you know, okay, this is nitpicking because they won. Luca got real, I'm Luca Doncic <laughs> for probably four possessions that I saw. And it's like full-on 24-second dribbling. He gave a grenade to Dorian Finney Smith with about four seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. And Dorian like drove and missed a layup and it's you know, it's like when Luke, when Luke is hitting the step back three and he hit one late tonight to, to this afternoon to keep the Mavericks in it. But it's like when that sort of shot is going, it's just it freaks defenses out. Um, but it was it was just still I don't know the, the I, I take less away from the fourth quarter um, issues, because like I said, you know, they had if they scored 11 points in the final. No, they scored 12 points in the final four minutes. So that means that will get it done. <laughs> that means they scored seven minutes or seven points in the previous eight. So, like, that was really kind of part of the problem. And you know, they always start fourth quarters with Luke on the bench. Um, yeah. they were getting good looks that just weren't going. Like, Dwight had a floater that you could tell he wanted back. Like, oh, there's yeah. always going to be instances like that in games,
2: yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, Pal, I mean, we're, I mean, this isn't, I don't know, I'm try not to be too critical, but you know, Pal. Pal, twenty three minutes and four points, and Kleba, <clears throat> twenty nine minutes and zero points. Uh, that was pretty tough. Um, those got you know. Kleba, do you want to talk about Kleba's game because he had the he had the craziest game I've seen from like a Mavericks role player in such a long time. I mean, he was the yin yang of brilliant and terrible. It was he was it was just every other possession like he would just make an outstanding defensive play. And then he would come back on the other side and and pass up a wide open three and then they kind of drift away. And then the next possession down, he would have a great block and then he would come back down. And, and I, mean, I didn't see three. most
1: of it. I, <laughs> the fourth yeah. quarter was probably like, based off of what I was reading, the fourth quarter was probably his worst defensive quarter.
2: It was. He gave up a couple of layups. Uh, he didn't rotate as, as cleanly, uh, especially on a Jalen Brown layup. Uh, But then outside of that, I mean, he was everywhere defensively and I know
1: outs looked amazing. Like Robert Williams is a beast on the boards
2: and the Celtics play big. I mean, they, they start Horford and Williams and Horford and Williams each got over 30 minutes. And the fact that neither of those guys got double digit, like Horford finished with six and Williams finished with seven. And those two combined for five offensive rebounds um I mean that was impressive I mean the Mavericks only I mean they got the Celtics had 11 offensive rebounds the Mavericks had four but I mean that could have been way way worse considering the way that you know the lineups the Mavericks were playing so uh you know props to Kleba for for hanging in there and I think he like there were stretches where he was playing some of the best defense I've ever seen him play uh in this game really uh yeah I mean just in terms of like it looked like remember that Kleba you know first year second year Kleba where they weren't asking him to guard wings and he was just a pure backup, like a pure five man guarding the rim and rotating and, and using his athleticism and using his speed. Like that's, I saw glimpses of that Kleba. And then, you know, he got switched on to Jalen Brown and Brown drove right by him for a layup. And I was like, okay, you know, he can't, <laughs> and that's not his, like, they can't, I think this that's guy, a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just,
2: I don't want him guarding wings anymore. He just, he's so effective guarding uh, the rim. Uh, and I think the Mavericks don't really have a choice if they're going to be playing these one big lineups, you know, that he's just going to have to end up on possessions guarding well, good scoring wings. But I mean,
1: I mean he, Reggie Reggie he was out today it. and yeah, Reggie has been hurt. a key component in allowing yeah. them to slide Maxie down. It just, yes. it, it really lets this stuff go.
2: Cause you could play Dorian and Reggie at the same time. And then you've got two wing defenders on the floor, which is something the Mavericks didn't have last year or the year before that. Yeah. Um, just huge. Uh and yeah, you're right. That that is a huge reason, maybe why. And, you know, I mean, props to maxi for for playing through like he could have shut it down after that Jalen Brown dunk.
1: Uh
2: did you have you, I know that happened in the first I've not chapter. seen the video yet? Oh my god, you have to see it. I mean he I mean he basically put Maxie in the grave. I mean, it was it was one of the better in game dunks I've seen this season. Um and the fact that maxi was able to come back from that, and yeah, his offense I think is his offense might be done. Like, I mean, his the expectation level for his offense going forward might just be nothing. Uh, but the fact that he was able to rebound the way he was, defend the way he was after that play uh, is a testament to him because that's something we've been talking about with him for the last two weeks or so is his, I mean, I don't want to be too critical again, but his mental toughness and his ability to overcome when he's kind of in a bad place because he kind of seems to snowball. Like, when he's bad, he kind of keeps – snowballing the bad performances and he can't he can't dig himself out of a hole and he was able to kind of do that within the game again not offensively but i thought defensively he was as long as he was a back line rotating rim guarding five he was he did his job and then something.
1: i think it's pretty neat like. in a co- and a kind of a testament to the the coaching confidence that's going on right now with this group that they put him that they continue to play maxi despite the fact that he is just in a bad place with his offense because there's every reason in the world to pull him because if you if you have a non-factor because this is the other thing teams are no longer guarding maxi kleba like he he is known like other teams have figured out that he has the yips right now
2: so you want to know what's something really funny um sure. the, the celtics were doing that kind of tony allen style we're gonna leave one guy open and have that guy kind of play free safety uh finney Smith and Maxi were on the floor at the same time in stretches of the second half and they were doing that to Dorian um which was
1: weird because it's like Dorian's Dorian? earned enough respect by now it's right. taken 2 years but he he should be covered and
2: of course in the process of the game that he was having was also bizarre and and I, I wonder if teams are going to shift that because it, in the past it's always been guys playing off of Dorian and you're right I wonder if with Maxi that teams are going to stick to Dorian a bit more and and rome off of maxi because my god i mean i'm not going to count the the houston game because he only played four minutes but his last 29 minutes against the Celtics zero points and 27 minutes against the Knicks two points um he hasn't made a field goal since uh march 7th uh, minutes
1: march 13th, see and and so and shout out to our man shout out to our man pete who's occasionally in the comments for mavs money ball i'm of the opinion that the offense like you you said his offense is done it's done for right now i I think that if they want to go anywhere they need him to hit shots and they have to figure out a way through this now this next week might not be the week for him (laughs) to figure it out because their schedule is so fucking hard but uh, they've got to do something
2: yeah i mean they can't reliably count on winning playoff games with him playing 29 minutes and scoring zero points like that's a that's not the formula I would follow, but uh, because you can't count on Dorian scoring 18 points in the second half like he did, uh, which
1: was, again, incredible.
2: Um, mm-hmm. But, man, it was just it was crazy.
1: Um, what about Dinwiddie's game? So Dinwiddie hit, yeah. you know, shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie, more game winners than Kristaps um, Porzingis uh, ever had with the Mavericks. He has one already. Um, what about his game because he's you know he's leader in plus minus, which I find interesting, but he he had kind of an inefficient game he, he his free throw shooting lately has been hilarious, but again, nine free throw attempts like that's the number that jumps off the page to me what What about his game stood out to you
2: right? I think in the first half um it was a lot of kind of drives that didn't just didn't have an end with anything i mean he didn't have any assists um he didn't uh he didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, But I think the thing with him is that he's just consistent in his drives. And I I think he kind of wears a a team down a little bit um, because he was constantly attacking. I mean, he, he shot six threes, but I mean, he was, I would say he probably had the second most drives on the team past Luca tonight. And I mean, he was just a thing where even when he was not shooting well in the first half, I mean, a lot of those misses were off drives and It's almost like, I mean, to make maybe this might be a poor analogy, but, you know, in football teams talk about like the running game. And it's like, even if it's not as effective in the first half, if you're consistent with it, you wear down a defense in the second half. That's kind of what it felt like with Dinwiddie. And of course, it helped that I think the Celtics kept trapping and he had a little bit more space to play with as compared to the first half. Uh, And of course, you know, making two threes also helps a lot. Uh, You know, I, I keep waiting for him to cool off from three and that hasn't happened um and then you know he kept the ball he had four assists in the second half like he just he kept the ball moving uh and made sure that when Luca got trapped it wasn't like a one pass and then settle like I mean they were they were making sure to rotate the ball all the way through till they found the open man and uh that was extremely helpful for him and again uh just the the pressure he puts on the rim I think is something the Mavericks haven't had outside of Luca in a long time and Brunson is is another example but to have all three of those guys doing that at the same time, I mean, the Mavericks haven't had three guys that can do that in a game uh, since the Dodgers era started. Right. I mean, they keep trying, they tried with like Delon Wright, and they tried with Josh Richardson, but I mean, they finally have an honest to God uh, option that can, can get to the basket or at least try to get to the basket, which is just says something compared to the previous years,
1: I think. Well, so my, my last question, and, and this is, is sort of, we can round out on this. Has to do with, um has to do with Brunson minutes. So yeah. I got multiple messages during the game about Brunson's. Like, huh? Kind of like he played thirty-seven minutes, fourteen points. He was plus eight. He wasn't inefficient. Uh, nope. He had two two or four threes. Didn't get to the line at all. How was his? Like, how did this three guard lineup work or not work?
2: Ah, it didn't have a good start. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they did not play very well. Uh, And I think defensively, the size thing was really tough. Uh, The Celtics posted Al Horford on Luca to start the game a couple times. Uh, And, you know, with basically only playing one big and the Celtics playing two, it meant and then you're playing three point guards. It it was tough because you got Dorian has to play on Tatum. So that means one of your three point guards is going to be on someone that you don't want them to be on. So I think that was difficult for them to, to maneuver through the first half. With Brunson, it was a weird game. He had two assists and three turnovers. And again, Kirk, we talk about all the time like how really? right is it for him to have more turnovers and assists in a game with the season he's having? So uh and some of his turnovers are bad. Like he, there was a like a I don't know if it was a three on one, three on two, two on one. They had a very clear advantage fast break uh with between him and Luca, and he just passed it right into the defender. Uh and like his his three turnovers were were bad turnovers, they weren't just like uh oopsie daisy dead ball turnovers. He had a couple of live ball turnovers, so that was disappointing. But the Celtics are a nasty defensive team, and the fact that he was able to get his 14 points on somewhat efficient scoring,
1: good point. Right, nasty like, doesn't I'll take it. it. Nasty doesn't really begin to <laughs> do them justice. I was reading like I was listening to a podcast about two weeks ago that said like over the same period of time that the Mavericks have been really good at defense, the, oh, the yeah. Celtics have were like, there was just a unbelievable chasm between them and the second place team, like almost as big as the difference between that, the second place team and the 29th team in defensive rating, like the Celtics have just been mauling people. Now the argument, and this is a fair argument that the Celtics haven't played anyone. Um, but it was, you know, the, it doesn't matter. Like defense is defense is defense, and it's just really neat to see something. So the the last thing I think, and then we'll get on out of here and get on with our evenings, um, and and figure out how to cover this game from head to toe. Is I'm going to be interested to see what the response was to the overturned call, uh, of Luca, um, foul like not fouling uh, Marcus Smart on a three point attempt. The NBA, like, it was really painful because like Hubie Brown and then whoever was with him in the booth, I don't remember did not seem to know the rule. And for almost three minutes, they're sitting there saying, oh, this is such an obvious foul. This is such an obvious foul for only for it to be overturned. And uh, our guy, Matt found the rule book and was basically like, they're like a high five after the ball is out of the hands is not a foul. And right. I, I did Steve Javy say that I was opening yes up. Yes. They they okay. Once, once,
2: that. once they overturned it, they went to Javi and he, he explained the the rule the way it should be. So, uh, yeah, that was very interesting. Cause I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I forgot that was a rule too. Um, and I, and then, you know, Matt posted that into the, into our Slack and I was like, Holy crap. It was like literally the definition of the rule of like the way Luca played it. Like that was literally, uh, you couldn't have found a better example for like the rule book. Uh, so yeah, that was very interesting. I thought Luca did it so that he could have another left wing, uh, step back game winner against Boston. Cause that seems to be what he likes to do. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people might've learned. Cause I mean, there were a lot of people on the timeline that didn't know either. And like I said, nope. I didn't know it until I didn't know it until it got posted. So, uh, I learned <laughs> we've been doing this for so long, but you learn something new every day and I definitely sure. learned something new today.
1: Sure. Well, and then before we go, I will say it's just shocking to me that on Kevin Garnett day, a team came up short. I have never <laughs> seen this before. <laughs> don't like you know don't like kevin garnett uh chuckled slightly that they lost on a day where he apparently went and talked to the team beforehand and uh, i know he's one of the best defenders of all time but he's also a bit of a clown show when he's on uh his bullshit so um too bad to see that oh well um yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe go record a green room celebrate with the lunatics oh that'll be a fun
2: green room that'll be, yeah, a, that'll yeah. be a good time
1: We'll see. You know, I got to go ask my wife if I can do it. My, my son's still <laughs> up. We've had a, a, a crazy day. Trampoline parks. I did not jump on a trampoline today. Thank goodness. Nobody asked me to. Uh, but <laughs> it, was a, it was a crazy day. But Josh, you uh, go and, uh, you know, maybe do some light editing around the site and we will see what is happening on Maz Moneyball. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. If you're listening Sunday, if you're listening Monday, we're going to have a great week. And you won't hear from Josh and I again until Wednesday night because that's when they play the uh, Brooklyn uh, Nets. So this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo, and we will talk to you a little later in the week.